0: today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When you just don't think you can take it
1: anymore, take heart. Because joy is coming. Let me say it this way. Joy is returning. It doesn't seem like it. It certainly doesn't feel like it. But listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 30, the second part of verse 5. I love this. I love this. I love this. Weeping may endure for a night,
0: but joy comes in the morning. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians. As Christians, we know that trials will come, probably more often than we anticipate. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that it's all fleeting, This life will bring pain that's so overwhelming you don't think you can make it. But the Bible urges us to endure because you may be hurting now, but joy is right around the corner. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Really looking forward to what the Lord has for us today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 6 and we'll make our way through to the end of the chapter, verse 13. The Apostle Paul is writing by the Holy Spirit and says, verse 6, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Oh no, really, what he's saying is, Timothy came back with this good report, this good news. First of all, you're doing great in the faith, and it sounds like you missed us as much as we missed you. Ah, oh, okay, anyway, I just, I feel better now. Verse 7, <laughs> Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, verse 8, and this is interesting, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, verse 11, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Boy, the Apostle Paul really wants to get back to Thessalonica. His Holy Ones. Wow. I want to talk with you today about those times in our lives when we get so down that we just don't think we can go on. Have you ever been at that place where I mean you're just so discouraged and you just don't know how you're going to get through another day? No? Yeah, me neither. Let's just close in prayer. We'll go right to the, (laughs) are you kidding me? (laughs) So this last week I spent more time than usual in the text, seeking the Lord about the text. And it became clear that the lesson here was about never giving up as hard as it gets, as discouraged as we can get, to never give up, to keep pressing on. Even when you feel, especially when you feel like, man, I, I just can't go on. I just cannot take this anymore. So one of the things that the Lord really impressed on my heart was the love that Paul has for these Thessalonian Christians. I mean, it is. There's such a deep love, just the things that he says to them about how much he misses them, how much he loves them, and as we're going to see today, how much he was affected not knowing how they were doing. We saw previously in this chapter, that no less than two times the Apostle Paul says, I just, I couldn't stand it any longer. I just I couldn't stand it, so I had to send Timothy to you to find out about you. What was he so concerned about? Well, he was concerned about what every pastor should be concerned about, if they have a pastor's heart, and that's for those that they father in the faith those that they had an impact on, as Paul certainly did there in Thessalonica. He was deeply concerned that they might give up on their faith, and he was not about to give up on them. We're told in the previous verses that Paul was so concerned, and as we're again going to see here, it's almost like he couldn't even function. And it wasn't until Timothy comes back with the good news that they were doing good. And that's when Paul writes this first letter about how overjoyed he is, about how encouraged he is. And in so doing, he provides us with three reasons as to why it is we should never, ever, ever give up. We should always, always keep pressing on. The first reason is in verses 6 through 8, and it's that encouragement is coming. It's just around the corner. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it almost seems... As if Paul is so distressed that he's unable to function because of his concern for them. Notice in verse 8 what he says. He says, now that Timothy has come back with this good news, this good report that you're remaining steadfast and standing firm in the Lord and doing good in the faith, now I can really live. What? (laughs) What do you mean you can Really lived. Does that mean that prior to Timothy coming back with the good news that you couldn't live? No! I couldn't stand it. I couldn't go on another day. I just had to know, how are you guys doing? I know you're suffering persecution. I know you're enduring affliction. I know there's opposition. I know because when I was with you, and he was with them for what some believe was only a period of about three weeks, Maybe that lent itself to Paul's concern. He was run out of town, you know. That's why he had to leave Thessalonica so soon. He wanted to stay with them longer. He wanted to be with them longer, so that he could ground them and help them. And we're going to see that as well, too. But he says, now I can really live. Now that I know you're okay. It's kind of like a a parent when Their child is away. And you just want to know how they're doing. And it's almost like you can't think about anything else. You can't function. You're so concerned. There's a difference, by the way, between being worried and being concerned. That's my story anyway, and I'm sticking with it, because (laughs) my kids always say, you're such a worrier. No, I'm concerned. No, you're not concerned. If you're concerned, you're concerned on steroids because you're very worried. Okay, I'm worried (laughs) in a a healthy way. I'm concerned because I want to know how you're doing. How are you doing? And here's the problem. Paul, he he can't text them. He can't post on social media, direct message them. He can't call them. He can't FaceTime them. He's got to send Timothy to them to find out how they're doing. And here he is just waiting with bated breath, so to speak, for the good report to come, come back. And it's like he's saying, okay, now I can function. Now I can go on. Now I can really live. It's really important to understand that at the time Paul wrote this, he was in Corinth, and he was suffering, great affliction and persecution while there in Corinth. And doubtless, he, in the back of his mind, because he spent a year and a half in Corinth, longed to have been able to spend that much time in Thessalonica, but he couldn't. Listen to what he says in his first letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 2, verse 3. This is the Apostle Paul, by the way, we're talking about. Listen to what he says. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. Really? Yeah. You know what I love about Paul is his honesty, his transparency, his humility. Would to God that more pastors, myself included, would be willing to be this vulnerable and admit, you know, (laughs) I think of what Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing. You know, I am keenly aware every time I stand behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do, that apart from Him, I can do nothing, I can say nothing, unless the Holy Spirit anoints and empowers the words that I speak. There are times where, again, I'm just, I guess, maybe being very open with you, where I stand up here and I just say, oh Lord, truly, the first thing I think of, and this is a good thing to think of, I have to admit, truly, Lord, you choose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. (laughs) I mean, are you kidding me? The weak to shame the strong. What did Paul say? I boast in my weakness. What? What do you mean you boast in your weakness? <laughs> what is it about us, especially as pastors? And again, I'm just maybe speaking for myself. What is it about us that we, we get up here, and we, we don't want to show any weakness? Well, Paul said, I boast in my weakness. And the reason I boast in my weakness is because when I'm weak, then I'm strong in Him. I'm weak in and of myself. And it's when I'm weak that He is strong. And he's not ashamed or embarrassed to admit that he's full of fear. And he doesn't just say fear, he says great fear. So much so that he was physically trembling. I don't get the impression that this is hyperbole. That's how severe the persecution and the affliction was while they're in Corinth. And on top of this, he's also very stressed concerning the Thessalonians at least until Timothy came back with the good report. I think about what he also wrote to the Corinthian church, about how he's been through so much shipwrecks, more than one, like three, actually I think it was four, he was beaten 39 times. How many times? He was left for dead outside of Lystra. We talked about that last week. Stoned to death, left for dead, and then he goes right back into Lystra you got to love Paul. I'm so glad he did, because many were one to Christ, because he did. But while they're in Corinth, he is going through so much stress, so much affliction, and can you imagine how relieved and encouraged he was when Timothy comes back to Corinth with the good news about how the Thessalonians were doing? Oh, it was like... Now I can just breathe a sigh of relief and and thank God. Thank you, Lord. They're okay. They're okay. All that to say, if you're distressed and discouraged, I want to encourage you. Keep pressing on. Never give up. Encouragement is just around the corner, and so is joy and that's our second one. In verses 9-11 through 11, Paul is just overjoyed and cannot thank God enough for them in return for all the joy in the presence of God because of them. So much so he tells them that he's earnestly praying night and day. The reason why it says night and day is because the Jewish day starts with the night first and then the day, not day and night. He's praying night and day for God to make a way that He can come and supply what they lacked. What do you mean what they lacked? Oh, these are very young believers in the Lord. And you got to know that Paul is just anguishing because, man, I I should have stayed there longer. Maybe I should have gone back in after they ran me out of town like I did in Lystra. (laughs) Maybe I should have gone back and spent more time with them and supplied them what they lacked, which is spiritual maturity in their walk with the Lord. I think of John in his third epistle, verse 4, He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Like John, Paul's joy returned knowing that they were steadfast in their faith, walking in the truth. You know, one of the most important truths that I'm learning in my walk with the Lord, is that when you're going through a difficult time and adversity strikes and the trial is hard and you're very discouraged and prone to give way to despair, that the enemy is right there. And he's saying things like this, this is how it ends. (laughs) You're not going to get through this one. This is really bad. And we agree with him. I'm like, I know, yeah, this really bad. This is really bad. I know. Yeah, It's really bad. You'll never know joy on the other side of this. You'll never be happy again. This is your lot for the rest of your life. Deal with it. It's your new normal. And you believe that. You believe that. I'm learning that I have this propensity to listen more to the lies of the enemy than I do the truth of God's Word. I'm more susceptible to believe and be deceived by the lies of the enemy, because he's so convincing. He's the father of lies. And he starts planting these thoughts in your mind. This is not going to end well. I know it's not looking good, is it? And by the way, every time you pray, it's like it gets worse. You ever had that happen before? I mean, you're praying for a situation and it gets worse. You're like, what's up with this, Lord? You think to yourself, and the enemy's right there. I, I wouldn't keep praying if I were you. I mean, look how bad it's getting. Every time you pray, it's worse. Stop praying. Like, what's that going to do? Like, the Lord's like, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You can start praying again. I, I, I won't make it worse anymore. No, just, you know, keep praying. No. That's a lie. That's a lie. Yeah, it, it might be hard. You might be discouraged. You might be down. You might be really having a hard time and finding it difficult to press on, to hold on, to go on. But here's the truth. When you just don't think you can take it anymore, take heart, because joy is coming. Let me say it this way. Joy is returning. It doesn't seem like it. It certainly doesn't feel like it. But listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 30, the second part of verse 5. I love this, I love this, I love this. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. How many times? Have we gone through those dark anguishes of the soul, the passage of the night where, I mean, it just, this is how it ends. Weeping endures for a night, but His mercies are new every morning, and joy returns in the morning. That brings us to our third one, the best for last, by the way. Jesus is coming. Here at the end of the chapter, in verses 12 and 13, Paul prays that the Lord will make their love increase and overflow for each other and everyone else. And then he prays, interesting, that God will strengthen their hearts so that they will be blameless and holy when our Lord Jesus comes with, keyword, all his holy saints. What? He's coming for us, right? But he's coming with us too. What do you mean? Oh. Paul is making a very important distinction between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ. At the rapture he comes for us, and at the second coming, seven years later, he comes with us as his bride by his side. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert, chapter 4, you know what is in store? It's all about the rapture. My favorite chapter in the Word of God, along with all the other chapters in (laughs) the Word of God. First Thessalonians chapter 4. It's about the rapture. We who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured up. Harpazo in the Greek, rapturous in the Latin. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and forever be with the Lord. And we're going to consummate and celebrate our marriage to the Lamb for a period of seven years. I like how one said it. While the world is tribulating, we're going to be celebrating. I like that. For seven years, as was and still is the custom in the Middle East to this day. After the seven years, there's this huge feast. This large feast is called the wedding feast. And it's after the period of seven, when the bride and the groom emerged from the bridal chamber, that Jesus said, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would not have told you that where I am there, you might be
0: also. First Thessalonians has already given us some great practical advice for living for Jesus. Toward the end of the Apostle Paul's letter, we find a few verses that sum it up well. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That may sound easy enough, but this attitude can be hard to hold on to when you're in the thick of a trial or find yourself being persecuted from all sides. When you're finding it difficult to rejoice and give thanks, you need to dive even deeper into Jesus. Through prayer, fellowship with other believers, and reading the Word, you can stand strong in the face of opposition and continue to speak the truth. Can we pray for you as you do this? We love being able to lift up our listeners to the Lord. You can connect with us by visiting our website in spiritandtruthradio.com and click on Contact under the About tab. We'll get in touch with you as soon as we can. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter and over on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. We want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area too. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website. Again, that's inspiritintruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor J.D.'s teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth study of 1 Thessalonians on In Spirit and Truth
1: to